Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. So today, we're going to jump in and talk about a passage that's pretty straightforward. Um, Paul is is writing to Timothy, and and he's talking about the the last days in the beginning of chapter three, and that's a that's a pretty consistent theme that Paul writes about in his letters um, to the churches. First and Second Thessalonians is a lot about end times, and the reason was because there was. There was a lot of um, a lot of things that were wrong that were being said and a lot of heresy that was going on around the church and a lot of people that were teaching and leading people astray. And so, you know, for instance, one of the things that we encountered was, um, you know, the fact that there were these people who were saying that the resurrection had already happened, that um, I mean, that the, the, that the uh, second coming had already happened and that. Um, Jesus had already come back and that, that the um, that the faith of the Christians that were in the church was in vain because uh, because God had already um, had already ushered in the, the the kingdom of Jesus had already come back. And, and so um, and so Paul deals with this a little bit. But um, and, and so let's talk, let's look at the first um, the first nine verses of chapter three and and i think there's some really good things in here for us to to kind of see that reflect a lot about our world today but i want to talk a little bit about the context of it as well so um paul says um but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having appearance of godliness but denying the power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and, and led astray by various passions, always learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualifying, disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So um, Paul is Paul talks about, you know, like what the conditions are going to be in the last days. And I think, you know, a lot of times when we hear that and and probably maybe even you know bible studies or or um, sermons that you've heard on this passage of scripture have really focused on the idea that that like um things are going to get worse the closer and closer we get to the return of jesus and that there's there's this idea like um like the world is is going to become um like more broken and, and more sinful. And and I think on one level that's probably true. But I think what Paul's saying here is he says when he says understand 
that um, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Paul said over and over, over in in other places in his writings that he he believes the church is in the last days when he's writing. And so, what he means by the last days is not that the the sand is almost you know running out of the, of the hourglass. What he means by the last days is that that Jesus could come back at any time. That the that the return of Christ is imminent. Um, and and so we we need to live and and need to understand the world in terms of an urgency that comes with the fact that that the last days are now, and it may be that the last days will go on for hundreds or or even you know thousands of years. It may be that the last days will only go on for you know for a few more years, and and so and certainly I think we're seeing signs around us that. You know, things that we're seeing that are happening in, um, you know, even in things we're seeing in climate change and the stuff around us kind of, you know, tends to sort of, you know, slant toward things that we see in prophecy and scripture. But the truth is, we can't really know for certain. And we have a very chronocentric kind of, um, you know, kind of understanding of the world. And so we interpret things in terms of the things that are going on around us in the time that we live. We don't have a God sized view of the world. But here, here's what's true. That when we look at this list, kind of this grocery list that Paul puts together of the way that people will be in the last days, um, what what this is, is is ultimately it's it's talking about the sinfulness of people that that the world ultimately is is a place that's filled with evil because of the brokenness of sin. And Paul goes into and, and and sort of enumerates all of these different things that we see reflected in the world around us when we look at a world that's not been it's not been redeemed by Christ. Um, John Calvin talks about this list and, and what he says of it is he says we should note what the hardness or danger of this time is in Paul's view to be um, not war not famine or diseases, nor any other calamities or ills that befall the body, but the wicked and depraved ways of men. So listen to that again. We should note what the hardness or danger of this time is in Paul's view to be. In other words, Paul is, is saying, look, the, the most dangerous things, the most difficult things, the most awful things in life aren't things that are caused by, by war. They're not things that are caused by famine. They're not things that are caused by disease. They're not, they're not things that happen as a result of natural disasters or calamities or, or, or even, you know, even plagues. He says the things that, that are, that are the worst, the, the times of difficulty that'll come, um, come because of the, the, the wickedness of, of people. And so Paul talks about this idea of the wickedness of people and like, where is it rooted? And he gets right to the right to the very beginning. He says, what is the world characterized by if when the world's apart from Jesus, it's characterized by people that are that are lovers of themselves. They don't love God. They don't um, that that the world that's running headlong away from God, that that there's this preoccupation with self. We we see this everywhere in our world today. Um, this this list that Paul puts out is 
is a list that that almost reads like the um the 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 news and and the celebrity news and the entertainment news that we see around us. People are going to be lovers of self. They're going to be lovers of money. There's going to be a pride problem. People are going to be arrogant. That that the world is going to be full of abusive people that are going to that are going to abuse their power and abuse their station in life and abuse people around them. Paul throws in this this weird little you know thing. He says that people uh, in this this list of like these big things that we kind of think are huge sins: um, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and it's disobedient to their parents. I think Paul throws that in there to say, look, there's there is a rebellious spirit that comes and and it's big sin and little sin. And the fact is that the world in the end times, in the times between when when Jesus ascended to the father and the time when he's going to come back and establish his kingdom in fullness, that this time, this world is going to be full of all kinds of big and small sin and all kinds of big and small brokenness. And that even the reflection of us, of children being disobedient to their parents is, is a reflection of how sinful and how broken our hearts are. The children don't have to be taught to sin. He said, people are going to be ungrateful. They're going to be unholy. What, what does he mean by unholy? They're going to be unsanctified. People are, people are going to, going to not be pure. They're going to be heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. This, I mean, this sounds like the world that we live in. Look at the slanderous politicians around us. That people that that spend lies for their for their own um, for their own benefit, and it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, going from one person to another, one politician to another telling half truths and lies about one another in order to in order to tear somebody down in order to try to get ahead. Without self-control, the self-indulgent world that we live in, people are going to be brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he gets down to number five and he says, having appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And then he tells Timothy to avoid such people. And so part of what he's warning Timothy about here, and I think part of what we need to keep in mind here, is that these people who who are characterized by all of these things are not just going to be outside the church, but they're going to be people that are going to be inside the church. And some of them are going to be people who, you know, we, we can look at the world and we see um, like all of these things on display in the world will many times we see all of them in the church, but people are hiding it. They're, they're, they're having an appearance of godliness. They're saying the right things. They, they speak and carry themselves in such a way that they, that they appear to be people that are, that are following Jesus. But the truth is that there's, there's an unredeemed element even within the church and all of these things are characteristic of them. There are people that are using the church to try to get ahead and get rich. There are people that are using the church to, to try to get power for themselves. There are people that are using the church in order to control people, in order to be proud and arrogant. And abusive and disobedient to their parents and ungrateful and unholy and heartless and unappeasable and slanderous and all this other stuff. 
And so Paul says, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. In other words, he says, look, that they're even there are even people among that group that are within the church that are going to prey on the most vulnerable around us. And this was this was Paul's way of saying he was he was like trying to 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 construct the idea of a of a of a of a vulnerable woman, you know, like a widow, like somebody who's, you know, who's who's trying to lead her household in a in a, in a condition where the world doesn't accept that she can lead a household and, and, and that, that ultimately that, that these people will prey on the most vulnerable, um, because, because they're, because they have no conscience. And he says that, that they're always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. In other words, these are people that are puffed up by knowledge. They're, they're very proud of what they know and they're, they, they carry themselves with an intellectual arrogance. But the fact is that they never really understand truth. And, and he points out and he says, Janice and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So he says, look, they like there are people that are that are inside the church that that their minds are corrupted, that they're chasing after something that's not the truth, that it's not the gospel, that they have something that looks like faith, but it's not. But Paul assures us, he says, but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those to man. In other words, Paul says, look, they're not going to succeed. And ultimately, why they're not going to succeed is because they don't have the Holy Spirit, because they don't have the transformation of the gospel, because they ultimately don't have the truth. Now, Paul turns and in the last um, 16, 17 verses, last seven verses of this chapter, verses 10 through 17, he gives us a really hopeful word. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them the Lord rescued me. Now, Paul, this sounds really arrogant. This sounds like Paul saying, like, I like like I like it sounds like a really prideful statement. But Paul's saying, basically, look, what I've laid what I've laid my life on the line to teach you and to model for you and to show you and to try to live out. You also were living this out. He's affirming the church here. He's saying he's saying to the church in Ephesus, like there's a core of people that are in this church that that ultimately have faith and patience and steadfastness and love and and people that have endured through persecution and and ultimately people who are in Christ. And he says in, in verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. Think about that. He, he says that and, and tells the church, look, you're going to face difficulty. You're going to face trials. And this is difficulty because of your faith. 
that there are going to come times if, if you're genuinely living for Jesus, where living for Jesus is going to be hard. And, and Paul says that you're going to suffer. We're all going to suffer. He talks about these unspeakable sufferings that, that he's gone through at Antioch and Iconium and, and Lystra. And you can, you can read about those in the book of Acts and, and, and see the, the way that Paul was beaten and persecuted and, and the way that Paul was, um, was challenged for his faith, but yet he didn't, he didn't abandon Christ. And so Paul's saying, look, you're going to be beat up by people inside the church who really don't love Jesus. You're going to be, you're going to live in a world that doesn't really reflect Jesus. And that's the, that's the condition that we all live in. But he says, look, you, I'm telling you that you can stand for Christ and and stand against the the, the persecution. You can stand uh, against against a world that stands for everything but Jesus. And then he says this. He says, while evil people, imposters, will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Y'all, if that doesn't sound like our world right now, I don't know what does. He, he says, look, like when, when the world is getting more evil around you, when it, when it becomes harder to live, when it becomes harder to stand for Christ, he says, you can stand. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's the there's the, the the great statement that he reminds us this morning, and I hope the thing we can take into our week this week, he says, look, he said, what do you hold on to? You hold on to the scriptures. You've been taught in the scriptures since you were young. You've been you've been schooled to know about who God is, and you've come to know him and to understand him, and you've come to understand his gospel. He says, graph on to the scriptures because no matter how bad and how messed up the world is, Paul reminds us that that Jesus is is the true Savior, that He's the true and living God, and that ultimately that we can find Him and that we can grow to know Him and that we can deepen um, our, our our walk with Him through the Scriptures, and then these last. Few verses, verses 16 and 17, that probably all of us can quote from memory. Paul says, All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for reproof. Sorry, rebuke is the word in the King James, and that's the way I memorized it. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So ultimately, Paul affirms to us here that the scriptures are sufficient, that that everything that we need, um, we can find in the scriptures for for godliness and and for and for pursuing Christ. And that we can trust the scriptures because they've been pre they've been breathed out by God. In other words, the scriptures have been inspired that God caused the writers of scripture to not to not write the wrong words or to write. Yes, to not write the wrong words. Um, and, and, and so. Um, 
And he says, look, there, there are things that we could, that here, are the, here are the ways that we need to use the scriptures to apply them to our lives. Teaching. So in other words, to, to help us to learn the way to live, that, that we can that we can pass from one to another um, the way to live in Christ. For reproof, um, and that, that we can use the scriptures as a way to challenge one another when we're in sin. That that we can that that the scriptures ultimately um, become that that mirror that we can look into where we can see godliness for what it is, and and so one of the ways that we can use scripture in our own lives and we can use it in the lives of one another is is that when we see sin. Um, we we lean into the scriptures. It's why it's so important for us to be in the scriptures all the time. It's why it's important for us to have you know Bible studies like this, and and it's why it's important for us to be in the scriptures daily. Um, and I hope you have a time to to be able to read and ponder the scriptures um, and study the scriptures every day because because one of the things the scriptures do is they challenge us. So we learn from the scriptures, we learn godliness, the scriptures challenge us, then the scriptures correct us. That that the that the, the word of God is written in such a way that the stories of scripture and the laws of scripture and the edicts of scripture ultimately correct us and they and they put us back on the path. They 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 show us the error of our ways and and they lead us into repentance. And then finally, that that they're that they're they're sufficient for what Paul says for training in righteousness. That that they're they're this is like exercise. This is like military drilling. That the scriptures and and so that we should go back to the scriptures over and over and over and over again, and that we never conquer the Word of God. And why do we do it? So that we may be complete and equipped for every good work um, to do those in the name of Jesus. And so, y'all, I hope today that you're encouraged. I hope that you that you recognize in a world that's hard, in a world that's broken, sometimes in a church that's hard, in a church that's broken because of the, the sin and, and even, you know, the people that are in it. That ultimately that we've been given God's word and that there's hope and that what we need to do is to press on um, to to pursue Christ likeness and to pursue through the scriptures that we need to love the scriptures and study the scriptures and and be about the scriptures um, daily uh, in in ways that um, that teach us in ways that. Um, in, in ways that challenge us, in ways that correct us, and in ways that ultimately drill us um, like a soldier or, or exercise us like an athlete as, as we strive to be more like Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.